Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breakout. This is episode number 85 for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. My name is Marty Saliva. I'm joined by Casey Wilson, Nick Calandra, and our special guest, Tina Sanchez. Tina, welcome. 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 Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Tina started her uh, career on, uh, did you start your career on this side of the fence at 1UP, or did you work anywhere before 1UP? I was at Koei working on okay. Dynasty Warriors as a sales and marketing PR peon. I was at entry level begging GameSpot and all of you for front page <laughs> placement for ladders being added to the game. It was hey, very humbling. All of you. I don't think any of us are in the games industry. Because I was like, what? Because you joined 1UP at like 2008 or so, right? And then you were at One Up and IGN for a couple of years, um, and then you moved over to Dev, and you worked at, you've worked at places like Infinity War, uh, Respawn, Sony Santa Monica, and Gravity Well. Um, so you've you've made the rare transition from Dev to media back to Dev. It's like a little little Dev sandwich. And now back to media. <laughs> now back to media. It just never ends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're legally now a uh, an employee of the Escapist. Yep. So that's how. Yeah. One. <laughs> Appreciate it. One one Love live it. stream and suddenly here. <laughs> Uh, that's how we, yeah, that's so how we, we all ended up here. We just streamed once and we're like, uh oh, there is no escape. Yeah, we, escape is. <laughs> we get we get catfished by Nick. Um, and, and thank you, thank you to everyone uh, in chat. Welcome everyone watching live. Uh, and as you guys know, uh, thank you so much for your memberships, your Patreon, uh, your YouTube memberships, your Twitch memberships, and uh, of course, your super chats and your donations. Those help fund all of our crazy projects, uh, including uh, Jesse's upcoming series where Jesse is going to play The Legend of Zelda for the first time which is very exciting. Uh, but Tina, we wanted to have you on um, because uh, this week's topic, among many things, is kind of going to be the the state of game launches in, in 2023. And it seems like a lot, there's been a lot of hullabaloo this year. A lot of the big games, some of them launching just fine to, to really great critical reception. Some of them launching just fine on certain platforms, but then lagging behind a bit on PC. And so we wanted to kind of talk about, um, from someone who has way more experience, obviously, than us, uh, what that final push kind of looks like why why games tend to come in hot um is this something that is is new to the industry is this something that we just have eyes on more and uh kind of what the future for that holds check yeah it's an interesting situation because any game that ships is a huge miracle i don't care who you are what company you work for it takes a huge amount of people to make things happen Mm -hmm. um sometimes it takes more time than people realize and i think that's where you run into hiccups where there's some issues um i know a lot of people love to create what they call title update zeros so on day one the game launches you have bug fixes already like in the pipe ready for people to download after that there's scheduled where it's like everything else we couldn't get to we're going to try to get it on day one um and you have to really place those updates um you know uh, pretty far out for devs to one like fix the bugs for qa to validate that the bugs are fixed um and then really get a lot of people to play to test everything um and it and it gets really difficult and more complex the more platforms you add to a game right so if you're supporting xbox and playstation you kind of know what you're getting hardware wise it's not as difficult to um you know test necessarily for um stability towards the end when you get to PC, it could be really complex if you haven't focused on it since day one. Um, I've been in a position where on a lot of the shooters I've worked on, we kind of used PC as like the standard platform that we used every day, right? The game on our work PCs and could catch bugs like as you're progressing through development and catching those issues right away. 
Um, some development cycles don't do that. They wait until, you know, closer to the end when the game is ready to be shipped. Um, and, you know, if it's hard to plan for the unexpected, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I don't begrudge any studio that runs into these hiccups, but when they do, you know, the team really fans wanting a good experience. So I know that they're hurting um, and they want to get it done. And when they do, it's, you know, better for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think this also kind of leans into the importance of QA as a team, as a part of the development process. I believe that they most certainly deserve that most respect. And if you loop them in immediate development, as soon as a feature's coming online, you know, uh, the better for everyone in, in the end. Um, that way, they there's no surprises. You're sort of testing for everything that they're aware of. A lot of factors that come into play, but uh, most importantly, I think, yeah, multiple uh, uh, pieces that people could be using and, you know, making sure their drives are updated and everything that can be uh, a job in itself. Yeah, there there was some threads on Twitter yesterday about like some of the crazy little things that like a sound driver can keep your game from running correctly. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's no way to plan for all that. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild. Well, there's also, it's the, the tricky thing because obviously there's some developers, especially first-party developers, who focus on a single platform or maybe a cross-generation game. So um, something like God of War Ragnarok. Um, you know, they didn't have to worry about the, the infinite permutations of a PC. Um, they just had to worry uh, about PS5. And then I guess there's a couple different permutations of a PS4, right? Which is kind of getting in there. But um, same thing with like Nintendo. Nintendo... Zelda's coming out, and they're just worried about putting it out on Switch. And it's probably not going to run very yep. well on Switch, but, <laughs> but Nintendo's going to put it out there. Whereas, um, you know, something like Redfall, or even you know, other games that that are on every platform and and PC, um, it seems like mind-boggling to me to try to how do you how do you nail that down before launch without early access, without betas? Like, is that part of the thing that goes in the beta? Do you think like? The Diablo beta that's going on, that's been going on, and there's another beta coming up, or Street Fighter. Do you think part of that is them trying to also like optimize how the game's going to run at launch on all these different platforms? Absolutely. It's a way to easily crowdsource you know, stability and any issues that a game could run into in a, in a friendly way where the fans playing know that they're not going to get the most perfect, pristine version of that game just yet because it is a beta. So I think easy way to soft launch something test it out see if it's you know resonating well uh, the issues are and then address them before the game actually ships i think a beta is a great way to handle that but again like creating a beta takes time as well and mm-hmm. takes time away from launching the game so there's you know pros and cons to it it really depends on the team size their schedule and uh what they think is best for the game i have a crazy theory as to like maybe why we're seeing a lot more of this situation nowadays, despite the fact that yes, it's like there's a thousand different permutations for PC and it's difficult to try to nail one down if you're aiming for that platform. But is it possible that uh, like that PC gaming has kind of resurged, that there are more people who uh, there's a wider breadth of gamers period who are on PC. And because that number is much bigger, we're seeing this issue more often because there's that many more people with different configurations to kind of experiment with. Because I can't, because like in a lot of these cases, like it's hard to believe that they would willingly launch the game in a state where it's like, oh, this just doesn't run on most configurations where we're probably just seeing a lot of the wildest ones based on just what 
you know, a select few people might have. Not not trying to downplay the fact that the game is launching in like a less than stellar state, but we just we're just hearing a lot more about it, maybe. Casey, before um, you continue, I if you want to raise the volume of your mic a little bit, yeah. raise my. Oh, I, yeah. I raised you up to two hundred, but it didn't do much. I forgot to change back from uh, streaming with Jesse. My bad. Ah. Right, you know ahead, I, that theory can hold up, and and I agree that that could be a factor. Um, I think there could be many factors involved. I think one of the biggest ones that people maybe aren't focusing on is the fact that some of these games have been created in a work-from-home setting for the first time, right? No one's sitting next to each other to call things out. Um, Communication was much more difficult for devs uh, across the board uh, with, you know, COVID and and figuring out how to collaborate in in a setting where you can't physically see somebody and have those heart to hearts and 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 uh, update each other on the fly as you're used to in a, in an office setting, where I think a lot of people benefit from that creatively. Um, so I think that should be that's also included in these conversations because you know all these guys and gals are working on a game, maybe not realizing that some of these issues are issues until maybe one of them hits it right, and mm. when you include a fan base into finally playing first time you know the ability of like a hundred or so devs playing something to try to catch issues you know from thousands or millions of players playing all at once to try to you know and they run into things so um i do think work from home adds a complexity that uh isn't appreciated yet or understood very well i feel like it also i mean okay so this is coming from someone who primarily has played consoles my whole life i got the first time i got a gaming pc was for this job and i don't like using it <laughs> i would just so much rather be on my couch playing on playstation or xbox or anything else um one of my theories is that like you know when you started in the media side of things that was during like the 360 generation right the 360 ps3 generation um capturing and sharing footage was much more difficult and no normal person did it. Like, unless it was your job, no one normal was capturing footage of games. Um, cut to 2013 when uh, the, the Xbox One and the PS4 launch, and they came with built-in sharing functionality and, and clip features. And, oh, look at this thing fucked up. I can just grab a screenshot of it. And that was also the rise of of social media really taking a prominence, especially on Twitter and, and, and Reddit and places like that. And like one of the first games I remember there being this kind of collective group um, dogpiling was like Assassin's Creed Unity. When remember there was like certain models on faces that, that, you know, whatever the, the face wouldn't be there. So you'd see like eyes and lips and it just looked like a fucking nightmare. Um, and I, I reviewed that game and I played the game for 40 Five fifty hours probably on Xbox and PlayStation, and I never encountered a single bug yeah, like I that. Didn't, I didn't either. And yet, comments I always got were, "How could you?" And I, I think I liked it. I gave it like a seven or something or an eight. And comments were like, "How can you give a broken game? Look at this." And I'm like, "You're pointing to the exact same clip that is being shared around. That is one out of a million people mm-hmm. got this bug. And yes, it is very funny, but it feels like with a lot of these things, I don't even know if it's like." We're all talking about Jedi Survivor launched broken on PC, and yet we just streamed the game for two hours, and it was fine. And I don't know if it's, are these games 
launching in a state or is there like just a, a, a bigger microphone that people are able to sort of shout from the rafters about these things and i honestly don't know i'm not trying to like well we've also know, forgive I, anyone it's, just, it's also like a really crazy environment right now because within the past three years we've had like two series of new generation rtx cards come out with ray tracing and all these new dlss and all these new features mm-hmm. like I, I think pc is just kind of always going to be like this going forward because they're it used to be a long time before we got new graphics cards. It was like, what, a generation? Now a generation is like two years, if that. I mean, because I fuck, I only got the 2080 Ti five years ago, and that's already out of date by the 4090. <laughs> like, yeah. It's almost getting into like smartphone and territory. And so while you're developing, yeah, well, and while they're developing a game for a 2080 Ti, then by the time the game comes out, the 4090 is out and it's not ready for it. <laughs> like that's how fast this stuff is coming out because i don't yeah i don't like i don't remember i know like older pc games like because the the windows live games ran like garbage all the time i remember i think halo 2 came out on windows live and it was terrible and it took them a long time to fix that and people hated it but i don't remember yeah i don't remember like all these major AAA launches having these huge issues like i think the most prevalent one was the one that everybody points to was uh batman arkham knight and that was mm-hmm. at the tail end of that generation, the 360 generation. Was it on well, 360? Well, Dark Souls 1 no, that was, had uh, a really bad port too. Dark Souls 1. Right, like Dark Souls, did. notoriously, the prepare to die yeah. edition. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, uh, a modder had to fix it. Like Drende, I think his name was. Like fix the game and it became widespread. If you had it on PC, download this guy's mod. Because <laughs> he fixed it in a way that whoever ported it didn't. Yeah, so it, it has been a pretty consistent thing, like even going that far back, like it's almost as long as there's so, but like, yeah, like it, it it does feel like there's a bigger cadence to it nowadays, or like, or like you said, like there's a megaphone that's kind of amplifying it, but like it's kind of the same old, same old, like this stuff does tend to just launch broken on PC because PC is a, a nonsense machine that you shouldn't play video games on. <laughs> Casey and I are vehemently anti-PC. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, trust me, 99% of our audience disagrees with Casey and I. Yeah. We are built on Yahtzee's audience, who is very much the PC master. <laughs> Casey's trying to play Half-Life 2 on PC with a controller and finding it's not very helpful. Yeah, they don't like it. Yeah, you need in, to play the orange box version. <laughs> in uh, in in the on the development teams you've been a part of, uh, Tina, would you say a majority of them are primarily like PC first? Um, obviously, if you're working for Sony Santa Monica, like they're probably playing games on PlayStation uh, um, for work, but not at not at Santa Monica. Surprisingly, yeah. I'm just yeah. Kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but on college, well, I I definitely launch the game on pc all mm-hmm. the time um every so like at respawn and at, even at infinity ward most devs if not all of them should have all three platforms or however many platforms are going to support yeah. right at, uh, available to them so you could launch on anyone you wanted mm-hmm. um most cases uh c was typically as the primary uh version that we try to look at as much as possible. Um, at, you know, things may have changed, but when I was on Apex when we were creating that game, but then when we did play tests, they were on Xbox or PlayStation. Um, or you could play from PC uh, at your desk. Um, PC was always a part of the process on COD and Apex from the jumps, so though. It wasn't something that... It, it wasn't 
it's not support PC if you're always thinking about it from the start, like I said. Um, you know, a PC audience tends historically in the past hasn't always been the largest. Uh, right? Usually Xbox or PlayStation tends to be king in that sense with the numbers of people. Um, so I think some development teams may tend to say, okay, we'll get to PC when we can get to it as time and money allows. Um, fortunately for, you know, the shooters I've worked on, it was, let's just support all of them and try to make yeah. them as stable as possible. So that was great. Um, yeah, I wonder if that's you definitely changed. have to plan for the unknown. I wonder if that's changed with, uh, Warzone because Warzone is like, it seems like the most recent Call of Duty. These are the ones that have a lot of PC issues now and the PC, <laughs> PC player base is never happy. <laughs> I mean, but you Crazy did talk about, about uh-huh. oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, Call of Duty is a wild one because when I was working on it, there was maybe one, two, maybe three most working on a single game, which was, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere between including QA. Nowadays, I think games are studios internal mm-hmm. and like, I don't even know, three to five outsourced studios. And so when you get like 900 plus devs working on the same thing, I think they're, they're, they're complexity added to production. And I, you know, I was in production, so it's easy for me to speak from this standpoint, but you know, getting multiple people to try to focus on something and they may be stepping on each other's toes um, or people are working on the game around the clock around, you know, globally. So someone's in Australia trying to fix something and then someone in like the U S may run into a bug not even realize it's being fixed like there's just so much that could be added to make this yeah. difficult like triple a games are really intense to make uh in in terms of like the amount of people it takes the budget have. so you know i'm not surprised that some things can slip through the crack right um it I, hard for me to harp on games that have bugs in them only because from my perspective from what i've seen it's not like any game dev says, yeah. how, who gives a crap? Like, we're going to just ship this out and like, good luck, everybody. No one cares. I'm going on vacation. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all devs are like, holy shit, this is a thing we didn't realize. Like, we didn't plan for this because we didn't know this was a thing. Okay, let's figure out how soon we can fix it. While they're working as hard as they can day and night to try to fix something because they hear the people they're getting online with the morale issues that come with that as well it's like oh god like i can't believe we did this and you're trying to fight through that depression to try to get this thing done which you know makes it a little longer because you're like oh, i'm not as motivated mm-hmm. um i i guess from a dev perspective i have empathy um and if people are committing to actually fixing things then like more the better right i feel like that should give you a vote of confidence as a as a consumer and as a gamer that okay like if i ever run into anything in the future i know this care of right this is just the state of video games um mm-hmm. no game's ever going to be pristine like um unless you, know, you have like 10 years and unlimited budget and you don't care about it going. But even, like, I mean? even like, rockstar games mm-hmm. which have that are like there's wonky shit in red dead and gta and those games have ostensibly infinite budgets yeah i think the, i think the funny like conversation mm-hmm. has become like yeah. don't pre-order games but hey i'll still buy it day one which is basically the same thing <laughs> And then it's like, you know, it, you, how many, how many games like have come out now that like you kind of, 
I, I, like I feel like developers maybe need to like push it harder. Like, hey, like you know, give it. You know, if you want to buy it now, that's fine. It's gonna have some kinks to work out because there's a billion and one PC configurations that we need to solve for. Like, give us two weeks and we'll hamper out as much as we can and then play it. You know, all the way through. But people have to be yeah. there. You know, day one. I think open and honest out. communication can go a long way, yes. yeah. but obviously if you're entrenched in a corporation sometimes that yeah right has to go through you know however many levels of approval you know and and again it's also like not it's also like not possible right because if you're saying like oh give us two weeks from the launch day to fix it then people are going to ask you well why didn't you just launch it two weeks from now when everything's fixed but the problem is they won't know what to fix until they launch it and you tell them so like it's just it's kind of this vicious cycle like what it sounds like to me is honestly maybe we should take a step back and stop making triple a games <laughs> like like maybe like maybe the you realize where you work listen if they stop spending that much money on the budgets of these triple a games they could probably pay me more that's all i'm saying <laughs> i i what I, I think marty and i were talking or maybe it was frost and i were talking about it but I was kind of saying, like, I feel like games at this scale almost really not a beta, but like a soft launch, you know, where it's like, all right, we're going to ship it out to, you know, 10,000 people across all these different PC configurations and all that. And then, you know, they get to play it for the first week. They ha- they find a bunch of these bugs, like a, a wider scale QA test almost. But I mean, uh, mobile games do that a lot. They soft mm-hmm. launch in like New Zealand. Yeah. Like Marvel Snap was playable in New Zealand months before it went live to everyone else. And so I guess like people in New Zealand are just like guinea pigs <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> play these broken games. King, King Dead 42 in chat says quality control budgets need increase. Like again, I think it, I think it's just a scale thing. I mean, with how many graphics card options you have available, there's still people playing on what GTX 1090s. Like <laughs> you have to account for those. So I mean, I, you know whatever games it is. are just also infinitely more complicated than they were. 10 years ago. Yeah. Like if you if you sit someone younger down on like a PS2 game or even like a P, some PS3 games, like you'll try to there there'll be like a knee high wall in a level and they'll be and it'll just be the wall and you can't go anywhere past it. Like, well, I can't go past it. It's just a knee high wall. And I'm like, well, games now let you go past that knee high wall, but that creates exponentially more scenarios for something to fuck up because like I I can't I've been covering games for for like twelve years, and I can't wrap my head around how these things are created. Like it seems like legitimate sorcery to me. Um, and so, I, like like Tina said, I feel like I'm I'm very apolo- not apologetic, but I'm very understanding when this stuff happens because I'm like I can't imagine this thing ever even existing. So the fact that it exists is a miracle to me. And that's not going to say I'm going to say something's good. Redfall, not a good game. No, and that doesn't have that's not technical issues. That's a that's a problem in its bones. Yeah, uh, Tina, I want to go back to uh, True Mandalorian with a highlighted message going back to something you said earlier said, uh, would it be fair to say that three years after 2020, we're seeing games now that were hit the hardest by the pandemic during the development phase? Like, do you think this is going to be something like the, 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 the lingering effects of the pandemic, like in every facet of life, is it going to like sort of persist in the games industry for a while? Um, so when I was at Santa Monica, I was in the office maybe two months before we had to go into lockdown, you know, so I got to meet everybody, see everybody. And then when the lockdown happened, um, we realized, okay, well, we don't really have a plan. We only have a couple to make this happen. We had everyone take their PCs home and hook everything up. And then 
almost all of us became AT, right? To make sure <laughs> make sure everyone was online and had no issues mm-hmm. was a problem. But then there's also the, um, it's probably isn't talked about very much, um, but on the dev side, there's that concern of security. And right, mm-hmm. when you're working from home on a new game that hasn't been uh, announced or even seen by the public, do you have roommates? How do you deal with that? Um, uh, you know, how do I you never thought about that? Oh, yeah. Between departments, I always thought yeah, about no, it. Like, it gets really crazy. Like your partner, you could be like, "Don't fucking tell anyone about this." But like, I don't trust roommates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it it gets pretty crazy, right? Um, but I think the biggest one was on the fly as a dev team learning how to communicate with each other. I worked with engineers primarily on uh, Ragnarok, so I felt like uh, they personally thrived in a work from home setting because engineers tend to be, um, I don't know the word pest, but they're, they're really uh, approached a lot by other developers saying, hey, I think I have this bug or I have this issue or I think I'm blocked. And that happens almost uh, daily to engineers, right? Um, so when they're working on something, they have to stop what they're doing, talk to this person, and then get back to what they're doing. Um, and work from home, they're like, this is great. Like, no one's bothering me. I'm just working yeah. on my thing. Um, and then for folks or artists it was much more complex to make a game right as an artist you really thrive on getting the feedback immediately on something that's on your screen from somebody else mm-hmm. right so sharing became a thing drawing on the screen was a thing for artists uh for designers it was difficult because i think that they particularly work when they're all together cohesively having a conversation like this right in our podcast just theorizing mm-hmm. like why do game um designers really thrive on these kinds of conversations when they're trying to make features so doing it in work from home just didn't feel as personal for some folks and i think some struggled um from 2019 and now uh yeah we went to lockdown 2020 of march i think in the u.s i can't speak for other countries but um was a good example of a game that came out of work from home and learning how to work for the first time in these circumstances um uh cod was the same with warzone um redfall yeah i i even with star wars so i think there might be a few more launches coming out where this is a thing but what i'm learning very quickly is devs have realized we can make games from home i don't want to go back yeah Yeah. um so our industry from that perspective because that's a whole another topic yeah, I, I feel like we just wrapped up a documentary at an indie studio and like, you know, I was asking them like, oh, did the pandemic affect you? They're like, no, <laughs> we're fine. Like, you know, like they imagine smaller teams smaller, more agile. Yeah, right? smaller teams are more agile. Like, you know, I was more curious of like it's a, a it's a morale hit because like they had just moved into their office and then two months later, like, oh, you got to go home and like revert back to that. But they were they were mostly fine. But yeah, like I can't imagine working on a thousand person team and having to do Slack messages every day. I only have what fifteen people on the escapers, and I can't keep track of all those Slack messages already. So We're very bad at Slack. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a running joke. Hey Nick, hey Nick, gotta launch a new Call of Duty game. Eh, I'm gonna go back to bed. I'll get to it. <laughs> um, Tina, were you at like eight hundred Res- threads? No, no, oh no, my no, God, no yes. Were you at Respawn yeah. when did you launch Apex, or did you come in later? I was hired as a single producer. I'll let oh, yeah. you guys deal with that as you um, and then back, immediately shifted in, 
the Apex uh, as soon as I got there. And then I went through the EA purchase and mm-hmm. I helped launch Apex. And then I stayed until around season five or six. The last character I worked on was Valkyrie. Moment when I left. So I think the last one that actually shipped while I was still there was either Lobar or uh, Rampart. So I'm curious because um, one of the one of the big stories this year, I guess big success stories of launches has been uh, Hi-Fi Rush in January, which was surprise announced during during an Xbox showcase. And it's out now and you can download it on Game Pass and people played it. People seem to really dig it. Um, Apex was the same way. It was it's very rare we get a game from a big studio like um, uh, like Tango or like Respawn that is revealed and and comes out within that same window uh did that was there something different about that like did did it feel different working on a game that didn't have its e3 showcase two years earlier and then the hands-on demos a year earlier and then playable to the fans at pax that kind of stuff <laughs> like were you constantly scared that this thing was going to leak uh, uh wait did you Oh no! Was there a dog? <laughs> oh, it switched, dog. To, it switched to my. No, it's. Well, I can to see me now. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Like, it's switched <laughs> to my cell phone. Why do, why do I stop this? Sorry. <laughs> <right>, okay. <laughs> oh my god! I turn on my cell phone and then it just like. <laughs> weird new dimension. <laughs> um, I apologize. Your question was, uh, what was it like working on a game that didn't have a, a public street date? Yeah, that just it was revealed, and then we we had it pretty much. <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons, uh, not being stressed out by a release date, I think, was good for team morale. Right, you're kind of you're deciding what the release date is on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we changed it a few times. Um, our initial goal was to try to hit uh, packs. I think in August. Oh, we shouldn't do that. And then we got um, a few trusted esports e- uh, Twitch to come in, like Shroud. We had Shroud come in very early on to play our game. And then he, uh, what he said, you know, I think a lot of people are exhausted with uh, Battle Royals coming out in beta. And that polished, finished game. And we're like, okay. And I think a lot of us agreed with that sentiment. So we said, okay, we're going to polish the shit out of this. And having that freedom to polish, and set our own deadline, I think was extremely because then you're not up against the fence and trying to ship something out with unexpected bugs, um, like yeah. some games, you know, deal with now. Um, but there is a huge fear factor with it that isn't very easy to swallow as a dev, which is, are people going to know what this is? Yeah. Are people going to yeah. see this trailer? Are they going to like it? Are they even going to fucking play? I have no idea, right? Yeah. So if the game's going to resonate without that traditional media and press behind it is very scary. But I think what we're all realizing is that it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, what possible for absolutely any team, you know, I can't say. Um, I do think that it helps that the Respawn team had a lot of credibility with previous titles that, you know, did fans. So mm-hmm. um, I I mean, a launch like that as an indie studio with no history with fans, I think that would be. Yeah. Yeah, like Beyonce could be a say, drop, for example. But yeah. like, you know, it's like really funny. 
uh, you say that um, we were in a our leads meeting on Apex, and then they asked, "So are we going to Beyonce this thing? We're like, are we going to fucking Beyonce this thing?" Like she is That's a model to be followed. Yes, we should stop calling sense. it shadow dropping. Just start calling it Beyonce. So Metroid Prime Remastered got Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> you, but you do kind of need a thing for the general public to latch onto, and that thing can be Respawn's Pedigree. That thing can be, I mean, uh, you had Tango Gameworks has and Shinji Mikami have a Pedigree, but it was also on Game Pass, yeah, which is like a low barrier to entry. You can just, it's there. just here on Game Pass now, which is yeah. in and of itself kind of a, a hype machine. Like, yeah. But it'd be hard for like a young studio. Well, I mean, Redfall is just one of many (laughs) uninteresting games on it, right? Like as long as they keep putting good stuff on there, I think it'll still get people excited because they already have access. Starfield, that's going to be where it it really comes (laughs) Unless it's broken. Bethesda's never released a broken game. Nope, never. Right, of course. No, there's there's not a nine second clip of me following a character than smacking him in the back of the head today. Well, you were just being very sneaky. I was just walking behind them, breathing in their neck. They like that, though. And then I broke their neck. <laughs> part of that is all very, very sneaky. Um, going to some some super chats and some donos. Uh, Nick the OG with a five dollar donation. Thank you so much. Uh, minor launch issues are one hundred percent valid, especially for PC having to develop for any configuration. But issues that make it mass unplayable baffle me. Like what? What games are ba- mass unplayable? Like is was Jedi Survivor mass unplayable? Because again, I don't. I played on PS Five and it was very playable. And then we played it today on PC. Like I don't know. I, I, like are these games actually? Are these problems actually that widespread, or is it a problem that is occurring enough amplified by social media and amplified by every site running articles and videos and social media and everything? If I can chime in on that particular point, I think the games that launch and are mass unplayable are specifically games that need a maximum amount of people to play them. And like it's like when the servers get hammed, uh, yeah. jammed up, right? So it's like everyone who wants to play this game can't because they didn't anticipate for the number. And then they always get crap for saying like, oh, well, you should have anticipated for the number. But apparently you can never anticipate for the number because once you do, the number is bigger than that number you anticipated for. So again, like, yeah, it's weird. And that's kind of what we have. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> like the, the I brought up the Diablo beta before, but the Diablo had several weekends of betas. We have one more coming up next weekend. And when it first opened up, no one could get into the game, or it took like an hour to get into the game, and people were angry. And I'm like, wasn't well, that the point of this? Yeah, that's what like, betas. Well, yeah. okay. So, the, but the I think the thing on that though is like you had to pay to get into that beta, and that was a big issue because it took sure. away a day for that day you paid for. So like this this whole tying pre-order for a beta that needs to go away and that and that will like re- reduce all this anger about betas because you didn't pay to get in to play it for two days i think people need to take i don't know if people you, need to take more responsibility like people need to be like i made this choice but be- betas, <laughs> and have, betas I, have been like demos for so long now that like people don't know what a real beta is and like developers have been saying that on twitter for years like a beta is supposed to be a beta not a demo and i bet like tina with the call of duty betas i bet you've heard that a million times <laughs> i will put out one request to anyone listening right now if you ever run into an issue and this is how 
fixed faster. This is like, <laughs> you don't devs it's or unplayable because things don't really help us identify what the actual issue mm -hmm. is or how you got to it. If you can provide uh, what we call repro steps, like you can reproduce how to create this bug, that's the fastest way to help us get something fixed. And I know mm -hmm. QA will agree with me on that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's, sometimes that's not possible. You're just like, I didn't do anything. and just like crashed. Like, totally understand. Just share that tidbit and what you were doing at that moment. Anything like that can help. Yeah, I think, that's I, a good point. and like, that's, I think that's where like, so many developers have left Twitter too. Like we talked about that on, on that podcast that we totally recorded and I never, <laughs> never released, but like release the secret <laughs> cut. So many like people, you know, just yell at developers to fix things and like, we need to know what the issue is to fix it. Not, you know, if this game sucks, it's broken as shit, it's garbage. You know, it's like none of that ever helps. And then I only respect people with blue check marks now. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Same. Yeah. They're, they're the worst. I mean the best. No, I'm I, I, the best. No, the best. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh I I think like in some ways publishers kind of bit their own foot by, you know, saying, Oh, you know, beta, 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 get excited, pre order, get the beta, get the beta, play it early, blah blah blah. And it's like, no, like cause Diablo even figured that out with this new beta. They're calling it a server slam. They know exact like that's setting the expectations like we are going yeah, to try messaging. to break the server <laughs> come help us break this shit and so that we can fix it before it launches and like it, it was only I it was only like a couple years ago time. too that like developers were just were releasing betas way earlier because like hell remember like the halo 3 beta that was months before launch it was not a demo that was the one that came with crackdown right? yeah right yeah. yeah yeah like that was a true beta way back then like that shit was buggy but it's still fun your game was great Crackdown. Yeah. <laughs> they, should, they should make another one of those that isn't Crackdown 3. Virtual Successor, make, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League on the way. They should make another one of those that isn't that. They should just make another Sunset Overdrive. That game's great. Yes. Insomniac, get to it. <laughs> he did. Called Spider-Man. Uh, that game's great. They should make another one of those. <laughs> they are. Uh, yeah, well, Tony Todd well, said well, it's coming in September. Um, so was Crackdown 3 Urban. actually a beta for the, like, the fully destructible world of Crackdown 3 that's coming at some point in the near future? Built by AI. What's going built, on with Built by, with built by AI. <laughs> what's going on with Xbox? Tina, what's going on with Xbox? <laughs> yeah. They bought so many. They're buying so much stuff. Do you think... I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you think... That's what you're that for. <laughs> a couple of years... Do you think this whole acquisition of, of Activision will go through? We were talking about that last week, whether... Five years from now, is Microsoft going to own Activision? Oh, you know, I would have said 100% a couple weeks ago, but this UK thing really threw a wrench in it. Mm -hmm. I think it's completely off the table. Hmm. They're going to do the session thing or whatever. Uh, I, I thought it was going to go through. I was pretty yeah. confident in that. Um, but now I... It depends oh, on how cloud. this UK thing goes. The <laughs> cloud game. Because we cloud all cloud love game. cloud gaming. Love cloud gaming. Yeah. yeah, it works great. Especially in a, a Twitch-based shooter like Call of Duty. Playing yeah. in the cloud. Who doggy? Yes. Hey, Destiny yeah. Destiny played pretty good on Stadia. I'm just saying. Nick, stop bringing up Stadia. I, it worked. <laughs> it's gone now. I know. Nick. It's only a memory. <laughs> Jeez. Ugh, Stadia. 
It's just uh, Urbum been a member for two months in early access. So it's coming uh, coming around. Test on demos, not on full releases. But then, if we, we release, uh, I don't I, like. I don't know what is the fix. So something like Jedi Survivor, they can release a demo to everyone. They could say, "Here's the Coruscant prologue, which is like the first forty five minutes of the game, and it doesn't have big spoilers, Star Wars spoilers. It doesn't throw you in the open world or anything." But everyone can play this. But then that still leaves the rest of the game. Like, I don't know how much a demo can can fix in a big open world game with a billion, you know, different permutations on what you could do in the game and the setup folks are going to have, you know, while playing said game. Yeah, that's why, that's why I think, like, they literally need to think rethink how we release games at that scale of a soft launch for, like, two weeks. Make it part of your messaging that, like, hey, it's going to take two, three weeks to fix. We know there's a bunch of bugs. We need you to play it and we'll fix it as you go <laughs> and if you know by then you know if you can't if you can't stand it over three weeks i guess refund it but i don't know it's just like if if games are going to keep getting massive more massive in scale especially life service games like how many times is, like siege has been out for eight it, years every time they change and add a new operator that changes the entire meta of the game it adds all new systems it breaks something every single time and people are like, this should work perfectly on launch. In case you know it, it never will. <laughs> I've come to accept that. Except, there, except the server crashes. I'm going to continue to yell in your DMs about that. Hey. <laughs> just throw it on top of the pile. <laughs> I think if a dev was upfront about issues they may hit at launch, would that make things smoother? I, I would I would I would appreciate it. Yeah, I, I feel I, like a, a rational, mature uh, video game player would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the majority of the people who I don't think a gamer would appreciate it. Like I'm just saying, like like the the like the most like the loudest people on the internet don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, they just buy like, a product. They only they show up work. after they yeah, because all they watch are the trailers, and then they go and buy the thing because they pre-ordered it uh, as soon as they could. And then when they get home and it's not doing the thing that they hoped it would, they go on the internet and yell about it. Like all the other information in between the first hype trailer and the actual purchase is not existent to them. They don't care. Yeah, like I like so like they're just gonna yell at we, you. We we had talked before on the podcast about like how much I had liked how Halo Infinite was talking about how op- you know their open development basically. Uh, going into launch and then the game was still it, I guess it was polished but it was like very lacking content and that was the big issue so um, interestingly enough uh, and you'll know that name Robert Bowling and that studio at Dr. Disrespect 12 a.m. studio or Midnight Midnight Society they're making way different than 12 a.m. yeah uh, well that's their Twitter handle 12 a.m. <laughs> um, they are making a game called Dead Drop and it's complete it's a triple a game completely open development they have play tests every week with the like people that are backers of the game and it, like robert bowling was literally just saying on twitter the other day like he will never develop a game the old way again like completely open development and he's advocating it for all triple a games to be like that going forward isn't that just like uh the early access formula though it, it, yeah, like basically yeah but not at like how many triple a games do that not very many that's that's the but big does that difference. work for a single player like how do you do that with like god no i don't think it no i don't think it does work for a single player game i think yeah like a, maybe maybe in some of the technology but even like well they did it for dead space a little bit and also as when, yeah. when you say open development like 
like is this free for people to like play and test and like report bugs on or do they have to pay for access like i think like, they're, they're help the development yeah they're they're helping fund the development but they're also like a part of the development because that kind of sounds like they should be paid as QA testers yeah. in that case. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. You know, it's like... But you're paying them to help them finish the game that they're going to sell to you. Seems a little odd. I don't know. I'd, I'd prefer that way over a Kickstarter where, like, I don't know if the game's ever going to ship. At least if I'm investing in a product that I want to play when it's done and I'm there to help grow it. Like, not grow it, but I'm help, I'm there to help provide feedback as it goes. Like, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth at that point to make sure I'm going to have a polished product that I'm going to play for a couple of years. I mean, that's, that's such it's, a, it's a, it's a double-edged a, yeah, sword. It's, a gray, it's like, a gray area for sure. Because yeah, you could have people who do give you valuable feedback, but then you can have people who are there and just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. But like, all they have is the time and money on their hands to keep being insects in your ear and you kind of are beholden to them because you're tying them into the creation process itself and as a creator you kind of need to be like no i'm this is my thing that i'm making at some point yeah i don't know i've i've always viewed early access as you're making an investment into a game that you want to eventually play like uh, that's how i view it um i know mm. i know a lot of people don't they they pay for early access because they want that game now and then they're annoyed when it's not done it's like well yeah <laughs> you paid I for bought, early access yeah. like i bought Hades early access and I never played it mm -hmm. because I was like I love super giant games they're three for three I'm gonna play this game when it comes out I want to support them with my money right now I am not gonna touch this game until it's finished mm -hmm. and then I played it when it's finished it was fucking great and I bought it on switch I didn't even play it on PC then what did I, do? <laughs> I mean just, I just just look at how many people are investing in star citizen and like I've been saying you know it's not real Nick that game's not real I know multiple people now that play Plush it and funds. love it I, like I don't understand I haven't tried it myself but I know multiple people that are playing it and are seeing the progress and are super impressed and loving it and the general public just doesn't care because like it's not reported on anymore. What is, what is you can't Wars report on it anymore. Like? It's been developing for I, fifteen. I know, years. but there's there's a lot going on in there. Like I, I for as long as it's been in development, I don't think I've ever seen what that game looks like. Like, no, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of videos yeah. on YouTube now about. I mean, they're sharing on their Twitter. They share gameplay footage all the time. It's like a cult to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of don't want to know what they're like, doing. I dropped five G's on a, a ship yeah, in that game just to have that unique ship. Yeah. Like it's it's wild. Jeez. Was that like people paying a bunch of money in the metaverse to be like, this is my metaverse <laughs> house and my metaverse lawn? Yeah, I mean uh, that that I don't agree with, but you know, if I like if you know if somebody was making the coolest medieval open world game ever that I really wanted to play someday, I would probably be there to help invest and in, build it. Like you know, but. If, if for one, the developer. This is my cottage. Yeah. <laughs> you can't come here. <laughs> this is my Don't cottage. Give my ideas. This is my cottage where I go write all my tweets. <laughs> this, is, this is my tweet, Yurt. Um, do you, uh, Tina? Do you think uh, games keep get keep? This is not the question. Games keep getting bigger. Games budgets keep growing. Uh, uh, the the amount of folks working on a game, uh, development time is getting longer and longer. Do you think that this is a bubble that's going to burst eventually? Do you think at some point things are going to contract and we're instead of having this kind of arms race for the biggest world and the most realistic graphics and the most things you can do in the game? Do you think things are going to contract at all and we're going to get smaller, more focused experiences? Or do you think this is like this is unsustainable, right? Seems like it for me. I think it already burst. 
I think we're seeing it right now. It is unsustainable. Uh, here, here's a perspective for you. So all the young playing games like Fortnite right now, they think the amount of updates they get and at the speed in which they get those updates is just the standard norm. That are playing right now are going to grow up thinking this is how it should be for all my games. Games that I really like, right? Flip a switch and change all the stuff completely. Um, I do wonder what will happen in the future because it isn't sustainable. To make a game Fortnite, um, you know, you need to have thousands of developers. And the amount of updates that are required, it's just, it's just so intense. Um, wonder what will happen i it, it what's interesting is what i'm seeing is a lot of my close friends and their friends are trying to move away from the triple a sort of grind games out on a huge scale by creating their own studios to kind of mm -hmm. go against the grain and make their own like passion projects uh, a reality which i think is great and i think that's sort of like a counter to that movement of we need these triple-a massive budget games um so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the next five years i think we're going to get our answer pretty quickly um because of that right all these new startups that are emerging and their yeah, games like that week. are just getting off the ground yeah every every week there's a new you know startup fans studio. resonate with <laughs> so you know hopefully these games do exceptionally well and sort of go against the out there i mean even a couple years ago weren't people saying like multiplayer games are it and oh yeah no. was always single player games are dead no. yeah. <laughs> you know and, and i think a lot of publishers try to move away from supporting just purely single games and you know thankfully playstation was never going to be about that or nintendo so yeah uh, to see something like star wars come out i'm like fantastic right i think we single player games um so yeah, i think we're gonna see a shift huge triple a massive projects in the next yeah, five years. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's already happened. Where, I mean, Red Redfall is like the latest in a line of games that didn't know what it wanted. They wanted to be live service. Publisher is like, nope, it's not going to work. Fix it, and then we get what we just got, and it's a big pile of poop. <laughs> it's I, I am I am like, you know, I, I just wrote my article about like that game i think that game is absolutely embarrassing for xbox and bethesda and, and you know jez corden from windows central just wrote an article about how xbox pretty much had no involvement with it it was just zenimax and at this point i don't think it matters like it's an xbox studios game whether they want to label it as such as not but man like mm. uh uh <laughs> like that game is emblematic of everything that triple a has fallen into over the last five six years since destiny eight years destiny i don't know how long but everybody was 2014 i think it, i'm old now really <laughs> nine years nine years ago yeah it was 2014 it launched it was there 20, was a 360 in a 2013 it might have been 2013 right. there was a 360 version Walk. of destiny you're right <laughs> that's, that's i think it was 2002 it came out the same year as vice city oh boy crazy. Damn. but we still have destiny we still got gta I, like you know, we're talking we're talking about that bubble bursting, but I do think we're like already there because they're having to backtrack these games that they've invested years into because they know the life service model won't work anymore. They try to downsize them, Gotham Knights. You know, the uh, Redfall is clearly a life service game at, at its core, and it was removed from such. 
like it's, it's all there. <laughs> like I think, and and I, I think like EA, we've talked to recently about EA being like a really positive direction. Like I think EA is the contracting of that that model already. Well, yeah, I mean, this year alone they've had um, uh, Dead Space, they had uh, Wild Hearts, which is part of the EA Originals label, which is they'll have Star stuff Wars. Like, they had Star Wars, two. Immortals. Yeah, we have Star Wars. We have more Star Wars coming from Respawn and, and a shooter and the tactics game and Vince Van Pella sort of overseeing, you know, Battlefield and mm-hmm. everything that happened there. So, yeah, I, mean, I feel like there's always going to be a pendulum swing. I feel like the video game industry to me always seems kind of like wrestling where there's like good guys and bad guys and the pendulum swings and there's like capital B bad guys. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Love, but you love being the heel. Yeah. But then there's like the EA is the worst company in America. And I'm like, no, there's companies literally destroying the world. EA is not the worst company in America. And then the pendulum swings and you're like, Oh, these are some fucking killer games. <laughs> like These are awesome. But then you see, you know, developers that had a perfect resume, arcane, you know, we saw the CD project, um, uh, uh, was Suicide Squad coming up from Rocksteady that, um, you know, everyone can kind of take a shot on the chin, but that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, get back up and come back from that. You think Armor Core 6 is going to be from Software's heel turn? It's going to happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> like, even from Soft, like that gold. Oh my God. People are going to be, people aren't going to know what to do. That's going to be like when, when The Rock turned turn. on Stone Cold at a WrestleMania with a number at the end of it. I don't know if any what, of what are those WrestleManias? There's, there's one. It probably them. happened. It they must have. From software's heel turn was everything before Dark Souls. <laughs> Did you start off as a heel? Yeah, pretty much. Twenty years heel. No one um, actively hated them. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, loved, nobody knew them. I lo- I no. loved yeah, the yeah. Adventures of Cookies and Cream on PlayStation Two. <laughs> God. Uh, Will Cooling uh, been in for thirty six months in the tip jar. Thank you so much, Will. Uh, going back to the CMA thing, Will, with a little insight. Uh, the whole thing with the CMA is weird. Uh, the UK acting independently of Europe is a new thing after Brexit, and I think the new regulator is a bit power mad slash trigger happy. Normally, an appeal could only succeed if an error in uh, in process has been identified, which is next to impossible. But this is such a weird decision; it might be possible. Well, Fortnite Fortnite just went on uh, Amazon's Luna service, and that just opened it up to 18 million subscribers. And now their entire argument's out the window. <laughs> 18 million people subscribe to Amazon Luna. Well, yeah, because uh, yeah. Wait. Oh, do you just what? get it with Amazon? Uh, no, maybe in Europe, no, maybe. it's separate, but I mean, yeah, that, I'm sure that service has a lot of people. It's through Amazon, you get free games. 18 million people don't have that, do they? Mm, so, tweet about it. Yeah, they, they must have because 18 million people can't have even heard of Luna, like, they must have, they must have forced they it. Still won't, they still, on they still won't give me a, everybody, yeah, they still <laughs> won't some give me Kendall a Roy account. juicing the numbers kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> juicing <laughs> the numbers. Can we juice these numbers. <laughs> Um, and, uh, kind of in the same, uh, vein, old hunter, uh, with a five nine or four nine nine. don't know. Thank you so much. Old hunter. Uh, as long as studios rely on launch day sales to report earnings to investors, nothing's going to change. Uh, these problems are financial structure not tech. I mean, that's also through, there's always a, a battle between, uh, finance and art money and the art. And you see that in movies, you see that in TV, you see that in, in, in kind of everything. Um, um, we're having the same conversation on the recap over talking about stuff like the MCU and star Wars, how, um, sort of when something becomes too important to fail, a lot of times the uh, the the artistic side of it gets ground out, which can be depressing. Um, Tina Frost, one of our, our co-workers who's in the chat, has a question for you. 
uh, Frost has posited a theory that some AAA developer or some game is going to try to copy what makes Vampire Survivors successful. Like the game Vampire Survivors blew up last year, like one of the smash hits has infinite copies in the indie space. Uh, he Do refers think- to it as a bullet heaven. Yeah. Do you think we could see that in like that sort of Vampire Survivors formula in a AAA space? Or is that like an inherently indie? Are there certain ideas that are inherently indie that can like never be kind of brought to the AAA space? Honestly, I believe that a lot of indie games inspire some of the new features you get in AAA. Mm-hmm. Because in AAA, you're less inclined to take huge risks. And indie is like the perfect place for game devs to look at because they have flexibility and freedom. Um, I guess my answer is yes. Um, and I bet I know who will make it. Housemark. Yeah, I mean, Returnal has a similar vibe to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah, budget, there's a bunch of colorful things happening on screen. Or if they just, but, I mean, that's, um, just, they just, that's like the closest a AAA has gotten to a bullet hell, right? Yeah. Ooh, Some, I have an even better idea. It's going to end up in Fortnite. It's going to be one player versus infinitely spawning kids coming after you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the answer to most of these is it'll probably show Fortnite. Up in Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of kids um, screaming yeah. at you. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you mentioned, like, even uh, Jedi Survivor playing through it. Um, at a certain point, you get, a, you get an air dash ability that has, uh, it recharges your air dash when you go through certain um, like certain kind of portals or platforms. And then there are platforming challenges where you have to do these crazy maneuvers through air dashing, wall running, grappling without touching the ground. And I'm like, I would guarantee this was inspired by Celeste. Like <laughs> I would guarantee folks on this team fucking love Celeste. And we're like, Hey, for some of these like challenges that exist in pocket dimensions, what if this is what the challenge feels like? Cause it feels so much like Celeste to me in a great way. Like, Fucking great art steals. Like, absolutely. I mean, look at how many games sort of have a formula that's similar to, to what the Demon Souls did mm-hmm. with kind of the recursive nature of the, the middle point. And like, I don't know. I don't see that as like, oh, they're taking from that other thing. It's like, well, if it works, take from it. <laughs> I think that's as why AAA has all those A's is because like it's this game's mechanic and that game's mechanic and that game's mechanic and they, they mush them all <laughs> together. That's what makes it so bloated. You could cut that down and still have like a fun, very polished experience. Like Hi-Fi Rush is doing like a couple of things really, really well, as opposed to like, it's not a full open world experience. It doesn't have a deep RPG mechanic with, you know, loot and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we lost uh, Tina for a second. She was upset at what you were saying. (laughs) She wants bigger teams. (laughs) Quadruple A. (laughs) Quadruple A is coming. But that's, what that's what, but that's I, I think that's kind of like more and more as we talk about this issue, I think that's kind of the solution is that the games are too big <laughs> and like they got to rein it in because like Hi-Fi Rush couldn't have been as, as much money as Halo Infinite or maybe even Redfall in this case. And like maybe that's why they were able to get it out working. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like there's still you. You hear all the time people saying, uh, oh, "Well, how long is this game? Like, oh, this game is X amount of hours long. This isn't the the time to money ratio isn't here." Um, and you know, Frost recently did a cold take on that, and I think sort of. And I understand. I don't know if you if you have a limited amount of money or free time, 
I mean, I guess a limited amount of money. I I understand that, but uh, I don't know. To me, again, if there's if there's always going to be a battle between money and art, there's definitely always going to be a battle in my mind between doing something creative and having a vision and people demanding that it's X amount of hours long. Sure. Um, you know, we were talking about the, uh, the, um, sort of the, the trend I see in a lot of folks saying, how long is a game? Oh, if a game is $60 and it's not X amount of hours long, I'm going to wait till it's on sale or, Oh, that's a rip off that a $60 game. I can finish in nine hours or something. Whereas I, I, from a place of privilege, I value my time. And if like a campaign is 10 hours, I'm like, fucking great. I'll jam it out this weekend and that'll be great. Cause there's always, if you want forever games, those, those there's forever games. games everywhere. There's free forever games. There's all sorts of free forever games. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's apex legends. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. plenty of them. I, 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 I checked absolutely. my uh, Rainbow Six Siege hours the other day, and I uh, feel like I have I need a I need to go talk to a therapist about that. No, you don't. Say home. Play more Siege. <laughs> yeah. I heard there's more. I heard there's a therapist operator there. Oh yes. Oh, well, that's a new one they're about to add. <laughs> yeah. It's got like a, the art has like a eye looking through a peephole. It's 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 there to listen to my problems. See, I think that would be beautiful. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. we can hear you now. Yeah. Okay, cool. You did it. It's right. not $60 anymore. It's a, isn't it more? It's $70 now. Yeah, $70 a lot $70? of games. Yeah. yeah. 120 Australian dollars. What do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? That people get mad? Like everything else went up in price. You know, it's fucking expensive. Eggs. Eggs are very expensive. <laughs> you know, it's expensive gas. So like, uh, like you've, you've been here when, as games have moved up in price, like, do you, what do you think about the $70 tag for things? Well, if being a AAA game, definitely think it's worth the money because the amount of effort and, and chaos and, and stuff that is required to get that game done is a lot. Um, but I fans wanting to get their money's worth and vote with their dollars on what they want more out of a game. So like, for instance, if player campaigns only like six or seven hours and gamers are saying like that's not enough for us then you know more power to the dev for next time right to create mm -hmm. that experience that players want so um i'm always on the side of the consumer that wants to sort of with their dollar on that front um yeah uh urban again with uh 25 zwoti thank you so much urban uh if you could pitch vampire survivors to investors in a way that promises money then yes it will happen <laughs> i mean i'm imagining it has like i, I don't yeah, know someone must like, be working when, on that already in 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 your experience at studios um you know when a when a game kind of comes out of nowhere and blows up does that become like a big topic of conversation like are people looking at this thing like oh holy shit look at like look at this thing look, look what this thing's doing so Speaking from my personal experience on Apex, um, first, uh, I think everyone outside of the studio is going to say, we knew this was going to be the case from day one, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which may not necessarily be true. Yeah. Um, but, then, but then they're going to want more of that content made. So it almost becomes like a, a success that anchor, where mm -hmm. you're kind of stuck supporting something that blew up if it's a live service game. Um, 
uh, it can be exciting and terrifying at the same time, depending on what the expectations are coming out of it. Um, for Apex, for instance, we had to immediately decide, are we going to try to compete with Fortnite? Because that was a question that people asked us. And we realized, you know, with a team of at the 130 people, including QA, we could compete with Fortnite. So we had to put out a public statement that said as much. But we were pretty candid about the cadence in which we'd update the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I think success is great for any game. Um, and, but there also is the next step, which is what do you do with that success? Do you continue carrying that forward or does the torch stop there and you create something new? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, of studios that, that have sort of the the don't have all their eggs in one basket i love the idea of apex as an ongoing series that hopefully allows projects like single player games like you know the jedi survivor and things like that and obviously you're attached to a star wars license so it's not like your jedi survivor isn't the little guy like fighting the good (laughs) fight you know it's attached to the, the biggest ip in the world um but still that's like I, that that always excites me where I'm like, hell yeah, make a bunch of money from this thing, but also like invest it back into like cool games and cool experiences and, and trying new shit out, which which I don't know, I'm always thrilled with. Agreed. Yeah. Um Ah also been a member for twelve months. There's a username Ah. It's weird that I just I scream a name out, but it says Frost never fails to make me laugh typing in chat. Frost is, is wonderful in chat. <laughs> um I also I, I wanted to ask you uh leaks have become a big topic. Um, not become a big topic. Leaks have always been a big topic. Um, it feels like more and more it's harder to keep a secret. Um, obviously, like Apex, Hi-Fi Rush, some of those rare examples. But um, it feels like there's there's cottage industries of people leaking things, of, of people who get invited to NDA events and, and you know. No, they have inside sources. And, yeah, yeah, get those scoops out. And then even, like, I don't know how, fucking Tears of the Kingdom, you can go to stealthings.org and download the game right now. Like the tears of the kingdom is just playable and it's just, there's just spoilers everywhere. Um, like as, as developers, is that something that's like built into the plan of like what happens if this, if information gets out early or is that something that you have to be kind of like agile about and react to like, just kind of pray everything will be fine. And then, deal with it if it does happen like have you ever been a part of a studio where there has been like a doesn't doesn't call of duty leak like every year <laughs> I mean, there's always uh, gonna yeah. be a call of duty yeah. game, right like that's a... yeah i've been a part of a team that had leaks um so there's always some sort of policy in place so all the devs know you know from the jump like don't talk about this with people outside of the company mm-hmm. um but put in their own in that people studios put in their own unique rules like there may be one where you can't necessarily post anything about your studio or your project on social media at all. Um, whereas, you know, like Respawn, when I was on Apex, it was a little bit more flexible. We posted photos of us playtesting, right? As long as you didn't show the screens. Um, so it, it can vary. But uh, once a leak happens, uh, it depends on the studio's ability to react to it, right? Um, like with Call of Duty, for instance, they have a whole team and, uh, and lawyers and all this other stuff they can throw at a leak to get rid of it pretty quickly or, you know, squash it. Um, on Apex, we had a leak. Um, get a work to find out who it was personally. It was really uh, kind of funny. So, Were you like a detective? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we uh, ended up being like a, a QA tester in, I think, another 
country that EA allowed us to use. I think it was Louisiana or something. They had like a QA center there. Um, but, was, um, you know, I saw the social account that posted the leak of like new Apex Legend. So I looked at that person to see how many accounts they made with that same handle, uh, found their Facebook, looked at their friends. Me and uh, Josh Median and another producer went through that friends list to find if any of them were employees. <laughs> we found one guy. We caught this dude, and uh, uh, that, yeah, that's something that, only someone no. in games media would know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that dev was trying to try uh, LinkedIn profiles back in the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that dev started out, and they didn't work on the game anymore. But yeah, like leaks always suck, but they can come from anywhere. I've seen them come from like someone coming in a light bulb in the studio um <laughs> you know someone's kid you know an executive's kid says yeah. something to their friend and then that blows up um tony hawk yeah. tony hawk himself <laughs> yeah, actors are the are the worst offenders <laughs> of leaks oh, yeah. actors actors do it all the time i mean there's ubisoft leaks of people looking over at powerpoints on a plane on an airplane yeah. like having a flight someone who's working on a powerpoint there was so it's um, great black flag leak didn't it yeah yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's I did powerpoints <laughs> IGN broke uh, the, the leak on Destiny because someone left a shit ton of documents on a table at a Panera Bread. Right. Um, so uh, also, shout out to Panera Bread. If you want to sponsor the show, you pick two. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, some people say no free ads. I say more free ads. If they get me that sweet, sweet Panera Bread. I, I, it's not free I, I posted to Mountain Dew as it comes sponsors. There's no shit. Mountain Dew in there. How do we know that you were even drinking it? There was no proof. Um, my dentist has um, proof today. When I worked out, yeah. <laughs> up, uh, I used to stand on the corner next to the Moscone Center during GDC, mm-hmm. not doing anything, just standing there on the corner with my phone. And I realized very quickly that a lot of devs would talk about their games that yeah. were unannounced right next yeah. to me, not even thinking that I was a part of the industry. And we leaked a couple things that way. <laughs> 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 I would not do that now. I'll do that. I'm on the dumb side because that's devastating. But still, like, don't talk about your game out loud and you don't know who's around you, especially in like a you know studio or like mm. an industry event. You, yeah. you don't do that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember people talking super loud at bars. You overhear it, and I'm like, ooh, that's not a thing you should be talking about <laughs> yeah. loudly. And you're getting louder with every drink. That's also not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what that's, that's, that's just uh, why we do the documentaries because i get into the studios i see all these secrets and then i just know things keep you just like keep, knowing keeping, you don't want to leak it yeah. you just like the knowledge. keeping uh keeping Baldur's gate 3 under wraps for a year was tough Baldur's great gate 3 yeah i, I don't i don't it's, those games seem very scary to me those are pc games that's, that's it's a, it's coming to xbox and playstation it's not coming to you don't like western rpgs because you're weird I don't really like Western RPGs, yeah. and I am weird. Yeah. So that's just my personal preference. That's that's we we can do it. Uh, another game, Nick. You and I didn't like. You want to talk a little bit more about Redfall? Oh, just because I want to talk about Redfall. Okay, so we can talk about some stuff we've been playing before we before we wrap up. Um, yeah, I put a couple hours into Redfall. Nick, you streamed Redfall yesterday. Uh, the latest game from uh, Arcane, the developers of Dishonored and Prey and Deathloop. Um, Nick, you did not have a good time with Redfall. No, no, I did not. My uh, article title is literally Xbox should be embarrassed by Redfall. <laughs> uh, that game, I, the, night, no, it's not a nice thing I can say. It. I can't say anything nice about it. I just really am not impressed with it. It literally feels like a underfunded indie studio 
they tried to be overly ambitious, released an open world game. And it, it was, it's shocking to me. It, mm-hmm. it, like I, people were kind of mad at me in the comments. Cause like, Oh, you're just being mean to be mean. You went and wanted to hate this. And I'm like, no, I'm like legit shocked that this came out, that this was allowed to release. It is that bad. There's there, every single enemy character model is this exact same for the humans. Every single one of them. There is nothing in the, an open world environment. That's impressive. It's it's all empty space. There's nothing going on. Skillups review today highlighted it perfectly, where he showed a sped up three minute time lapse of nothing happening as he went from one point to point. And like you go to play the game, and the I mean the first mission, the first ten minutes of the game, you do nothing besides open a door to get your hub place open, and then you go and find two crashed helicopters that are essentially copy pasted missions. And that's it. That's the opening of the game. There's nothing exciting. I, I like it. It coming off of like Dishonored one, Dishonored two, Prey, which has like one of the most memorable openings you've probably ever played for a game. And even Deathloop's opening is great. Like this, it blew my mind playing it. I could not believe it. So, like, what do you think happened? Like the, the leaks from what two years ago were like it had a whole battle pass at like. This is absolutely a live service game that got scaled back, in my opinion. I think it absolutely is. There's no way it's not. Even the mission layout design in the menus look like repeatable missions that you're supposed to go back and click through to get more gear and loot. Bullet bullet spongy enemies, gear scores. They wanted you to take on the higher level vampires and raids with your friends. You can go back and watch the trailers and like clearly those are raid areas that they wanted to make. So, because I'm curious, because like I, I get that uh, live service has fallen out of favor in uh, recent times, uh, especially like new uh, entries in the genre. But like, if this had been a live service game, like, what would have been the draw for it? Because if they if they scaled this back to make it kind of more of a looter shooter slash co op shooter, like it's it's like it's it's arcane making. It. I don't think missing. I don't like there's it's ar- it's arcane. Like I don't think any service game would have gotten people excited about this for them. That's not what they make. Like I was telling Frost on stream yesterday, like, man, like mm-hmm. you have the concept of vampires. They are known for making immersive stealth, immersive sim, stealth action, immersive sims. And you set it in the most boring looking environment I have seen in a while for a game. Like you had vampires, you have Dracula set it in like Dracula's castle, make it an immersive sim to go hunt him down. <laughs> I don't know. I like this, this game feels, you know, when Yasi talks about design by committee, like this game, it feels like that to the extreme. And I can't like, I don't think I've seen Harvey Smith post anything about it on Twitter. I cannot imagine he's impressed with it either. Yeah. So it was, like, um, Arcane Austin yeah. was the lead on it, which was, um, ostensibly the team that did Prey, um, whereas Arcane Leon did, uh, the Dishonored and, and, uh, Deathloop. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Um, there it is. There's a night and day difference between because uh, the topic of this episode was the launch state of AAA games, and mm. you have something like Jedi Survivor, which some folks on PC had problems with. I've been playing and fucking loving it on PS5, mm. and then you have something like Redfall, where you, you play it for a little bit and you're like, yes, there are a lot of technical issues, but there's like a there's like a core there's like a core problem with this game that I don't think updates can can fix um 
So, and it's just, it's just a fucking bummer when yeah. it comes from like a team that you really like and like a game that I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that I've been saying on the show a lot. Like I thought the premise was cool. I think I was like, cool vampires in Massachusetts with arcane. Like that is a neat premise. Um, Tina, I'm curious. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking where, where you have a developer like arcane who's kind of known for one thing. And then suddenly there's this game, which feels very different than kind of what is, I guess, quote unquote, in their wheelhouse. Um, and I think you're seeing a similar thing kind of with Rocksteady and you did the single player Arkham games and now you're doing a, a co-op Suicide Squad game. Um, like from working at studios, do you think, like, do you know of even from places you haven't worked? Like, is there like voices from on high who say, well, I know you guys love doing this and you're good at doing this, but you have to do this instead because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I've seen it happen where like a publisher funding your game says it has to be this no matter what and the publisher may not have all the information they need to make the best decision for the dev team working on it mm-hmm. can hurt a project. I've also seen scenarios um, and just being completely candid here uh, in the past where you know a high level and candid you don't know how they got there they're just up there. Right? And they may not be the best at their job. So when mm-hmm. they make a decision, it sort of impacts a lot of people in a way that they don't understand. And that could also hurt a game. Um, where am I going with this? What I really wanted to say, and, and I just wanted to make another point, which is any dev that worked on Redfall that's listening to this, this is not the end of your <laughs> your career. Oh, no, Find a place where you make an amazing game. Sometimes might literally be at your current happens, your right? next yeah. game might be amazing because your last game was really good <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's always like the hard part of being in criticism because like having done the documentaries and talked with any developers for years now like i never want to be too mean too mean and that's where like i'm putting the embarrassment on xbox and bethesda for releasing this thing because it's like i i'm trying to imagine as a tester or anybody playing this game and saying yeah this is good to go this is fun people will like this yeah, that, yeah, that's what you because like aside from aside from the technical issues because I have had technical issues when I played through it as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, if that game had worked perfectly, so was fun. <laughs> yeah, like there's like a soul missing, mm-hmm. right? Like just the core vampires what you would do. Daywalkers, nightwalkers. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That explains it. Uh, but no, like yeah, like just the mo- the moment to moment of that loop isn't fun. And like I, there's a couple people who um, like I talked to who are generally like xbox leaning and like you can tell when like they they wish it was better and like they're trying to find reasons to like to like it and it's still like well if only it had this if only it had that so like even it, like it really is kind of a disappointment to even people who were probably going to bandwagon it no matter what and like the barrier to entry is game pass so like people aren't really losing out but like just it, it's like a morale hit for for like Xbox in general, because it's just been this string of sort of disappointments in regards to like just their output. See, I haven't played the game yet. I've just seen the trailers and I got excited about the trailers. Yeah, the launch, the launch trailer got me excited. Do you think this game requires you to play it like with the max amount of players possible in order to have fun? No, it, it wouldn't change it. Like if you actually go like watch like skill ups review or ACG's review, or even our live stream yesterday, like the AI is non-existent in the game. Um, I'm assuming you've played dishonored and Prey in those ones. Yeah. So like a big part of those games is just moving through the world. 
and finding all the different paths and everything like that. And, or, and this game is literally, you start in a hub area, you run to a place, you collect the item, and you hold T to go back to the hub area. That's it. Yeah, there is no level design. Doesn't feel great. No, like like there's there's things to climb, but like it doesn't feel fun or good to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it would be more fun with buddies in the same way. Literally anything is more fun. But like staring at a wall is more fun with buddies. That doesn't make staring at a wall fun. Um, but but no. you know, you're, if, you're, if you're shooting the shit with with pals. Um, yeah, it's uh, well, even even I, I don't even know, after that, this, like the shooting doesn't feel good. And that was a problem. That Shooting was, the shit does not feel good. No, the no. problem, the problem, that was a problem in Dishonored too, where like their shooting controls don't feel good. I mean, not Dishonored, uh, uh, Deathloop. Deathloop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it also, um, Casey kind of touched on it, but like Xbox feels like a exposed nerve at this point. Um, they've had a, they've had a, a rough couple of years. They launched something like, Halo Infinite, which which um, kind of hasn't been able to find its footing. They've had a lot of leadership change at that studio. We've seen games years in advance that still aren't out that we still have know nothing about, from you know Avowed to Elder Scrolls Six to Perfect Dark, anything like that. Um, they're a studio or uh, Xbox as a as a publisher and as a as a brand. We keep saying oh, next year is going to be the year. Next year is going to be the year, and so it feels like when there's this bad game, which um, it, it, it almost stands out more because you're compiling everything else on there. Whereas I felt like when Sony released um, Days Gone, which probably of their first party games was probably their their least beloved, their their, their mm. one that performed the worst critically. It was it, it, it was still couched in this circle of like God of War and The Last of Us and Spider-Man and Ghost of Tsushima. Like, it's just surrounded by all this quality and you're kind of able to be like, well, that could be the odd one out. And then that game's gotten like a critical reappraisal. Whereas like nothing is is raising up Deathloop. Um, I mean, Hi-Fi Rush came out earlier this year and was really cool, but can only do so much. So I, I think as much as it is a Redfall problem, I think it is also... Like yeah, Xbox feels like they're almost in this like, like, yeah, if, like downturn. Yeah, and if you look at it, and this is purely circumstantial, but like just an optics level, like Arcane released Deathloop to critical praise on the PlayStation after mm-hmm. Xbox bought them, and then the first thing that that studio releases when they're under Xbox's banner is this, and it's like, like how do you how do you like live yeah. that down? Like it's. Yeah, well, it would have been really funny so if those bad. were swapped and Redfall released on PlayStation. Everyone's like, oh, did they sabotage it? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> the headline. Like, 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 Xbox should present this case to the CMA to be like, look. This is all we can do, guys. We need help. Put this, yeah, put this next to God of War and Spider-Man and be like, seriously, we could we could use some assistance. <laughs> God. Sorry, Arcane Devs, if you're in chat, we love you. <laughs> I, I love all those other games. I like I like Dark's Fatalis, and that was a sweaty PC game, yeah. and I still appreciated it. It's uh, yeah, Jez Corden. Best criticism is the best criticism, no matter what. It'll make devs better. I honestly, believe that. Yeah, this is... that's always what I see about this job is criticize the the thing, not the person. Yeah. If you start criticizing mm-hmm. the people, then you're like you're just being an asshole. Yeah, right well, and that's like, sure. like people were like saying, "Oh, I was being an asshole yesterday." I was like, "No, I'm like I'm legit shocked that this is that studio is better than this." <laughs> like that's there's no you're way a disappointed parent. Pretty, not mad you're disappointed. Pretty much. Yeah, and and with uh, Jez Corden's uh, 
statement saying that like Xbox Game Studios kind of were hands offy with it. Like, I'm, like if that's true, then again, like what happened? Because like, like is were they too hands off? Like, was that the problem, or like, or like, is there some other fundamental flaw? Like, it's just like well, it's his, his, his report. Is, I think his, Xbox has said they're going to be hands off on the Zenimax studio. Yeah, his report was yeah, from the start. They said that, right? Yeah, yeah. His report is that Zenimax and Bethesda are still doing their own thing. They have their own development processes that aren't tied to Xbox Game Studios, but the messaging has been that they are part of Xbox Game Studios the entire time. When they say like, "Oh, look well, at all of our studios." Yeah, they're on Game Pass, and you see yeah, Xbox it's, Game it's, Studios logo at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, just just said it like this is just the facts, but it's also not the optics of it. And it's like, you know, if Xbox is gonna keep, like, you fucked up Halo in a way that like the brand needs to be a reboot of a reboot of a reboot already, which is nuts to me. Uh, Redfall is like their biggest new IP since the acquisition, really, and it's mm-hmm. it's. Dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. It's not biting back anymore. Um, <laughs> Star Starfield. There's so much pressure riding on that. I would not want to be that studio right now. Starfield's gonna sell 25 million copies. It's gonna it sell. Hasn't well, been a but single, man, I, I just don't. It hasn't been a single success from one of the studios Xbox. Supply, That's not true. Outside of Hi-Fi Rush, that was grounded. I guess. Yeah. Grounded. That, Grounded's done like six million sure. copies. All right. Sure. It's sure, big. Sure, sure. No, 10 million. It did 10 million. And I guess you could also count Sea of Thieves, but that was like way before that. Yeah. <laughs> it's still ongoing. Like, they acquired this, this double, they acquired double Fine and Psychonauts 2 fucking rules. Yeah. So. That's why like when. All right. So yeah, Marty... yeah it's, just, it's like every once in a blue moon, right? Something will pan out. But like sure. at the rate that they bought studios, like that's not enough. Well, we've talked well, we've talked about that before of, too. Like they bought all those studios right at the start of the pandemic. They had all just released games. That's it's taking a while to get there. And like you know, as Tina said, like all these major studios had to change their entire entire development pipeline to fit with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like these games are always going to take a while to develop. Red Redfall, I don't think has anything to do with that. I think Redfall was just a live service game that had to backtrack. And here's what we got. But if if Xbox coming in and being the new publisher didn't affect that, then that's kind of just well, yeah, like it's, that was it's, an internal decision then that where they they maybe started in that direction, saw the the tide shifting was like okay maybe let's try and revamp it and kind of ran out of time before they could. Yeah, well, and my response to that is like Microsoft has billions trillions of dollars, like just delay it and redo it, cancel it, redo it, something like this game. Well, like if they had delayed, because Redfall was delayed twice already, right? It was if supposed they, to come out last year. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. they did delay it again, like, was there anything else, like, in this time period that they could, like, latch onto? Or, like, is it just this and then Starfield? Well, they just had the Minecraft Legends. That did just come out. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not big fans of Minecraft Legends, but that's had a very strong launch, too, so... I wanted to play it. Yeah, I, I, but I, I completely too. forgot about it. Like it just completely dropped off my radar. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think and that, I think, ju- and that just doesn't that doesn't happen with Sony games. Like even even though I'm not on that platform and I'm not a big fan of like most of their single player content, it just stays in rotation. Do you know what I mean? Not, like people are always also, talking about that. Stuff. And the games are always brought up at game of the you know game of the year time. Last year was both God of War and Horizon. Yeah, but also not, not entirely true. Wasn't it just in an interview the other day they were saying how many they cancel a ton of projects? And Tina would Who probably know, Sony Sony cancels a ton of Sony projects did. before oh. they go anywhere with them. Like all I guess many. on the whole, how many 
how many games don't exist? <laughs> that, that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was one canceled at Respawn that I know about that went public, right? Mm-hmm. They just canceled a... Wasn't it one of, see the name. I don't know what's public about that, but wasn't it one of the Star Wars games a, before they announced this whole new set? Oh no, no, it was that no. it was the single player uh, Apex game. Yeah, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like a Titanfall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a Titanfall, and I, someone should give that to me because I like. <laughs> yeah, sucks when a game is not when the game is canceled because when you work on a game from the dev side that's canceled, there is where you can't even publish size the work that you did in those years yeah. right it's almost like a black hole in your resume and that can really suck mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you can't you have to be like i promise you i was working on a thing but i legally can't tell you anything <laughs> about it yeah <laughs> seems, but it was good sad. though just know that no it was real good um it's really good it's before canceled. we start wrapping up we brought up halo <laughs> earlier and I'm, I'm curious uh as someone who's who's worked on a lot of multiplayer shooters uh in your career um, looking at what happened with Halo over the last few years, do you have any do you have any thoughts? Halo is a game. Uh, Nick's favorite thing in the world is Halo. Well, his favorite thing in the world is Mountain Dew, and then it's his dogs, and then it's Halo. Um, <laughs> so I started playing shooters, well, with, I think GoldenEye, but but multiplayer shooters with Halo, right, in college. Halo was my mm-hmm. shit. I played Halo 2 with my college buddies. We played four-player split screen. It was so damn ridiculous. Um, I had so much fun with Halo, and, you know, I've played every iteration up until this point, and I can't help but say that, like, when I see fucking scenes in The Mandalorian, I think there could have been a really awesome Halo game that came up before this. Or a Halo show. That's all I can think of, like a fan of Halo. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Halo shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't speak on why the Halo franchise is what it is right now because I wasn't working there but like as a fan of Halo you know I think the one of the biggest mistakes was not leaning into the co-op aspect of like couch you know sitting on the couch with friends in the same room to play together mm-hmm. um, especially with single player like that was so damn cool and mm-hmm. I think they lost that with five. was it four it, or five they, they stopped doing that It yeah they didn't have couch co-op in four no, they did have couch. I think they and, did have couch co-op in four. They had. They didn't have her five. Then they promised it for infinite, and then that became a whole PR blunder for them because they didn't have it. Went away. But yeah. yeah, and I think when we've talked about Halo before, I think their their biggest misstep was catering to the esports crowd and not the. You just said it with the co-op, the couch co-op, car, but also like the party crowd because that's what Halo was always about. Is like bringing all your friends over. Oh yeah, more casual. Like mm-hmm. I just want to like crack a beer and play on a Friday night, and I'm not worried about my KD yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're playing with your friends that just happen yeah. to be there. You have four controllers. You play multiplayer with each other. You might suck, but you still like make fun of the other team, anyways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that stuff was fun, right? Um, like, I don't think that that spirit hasn't gone away, and I feel like it, did, it didn't. Like Halo a, Five. Halo Five was all about the arena. No, I meant that spirit, as in that spirit within players, hasn't gone no, away. It that's just seems like so there's like a vacuum there. It seems like someone should should fill that space. Halo was supposed oh, no. to fill I think that vacuum exists. <laughs> I think that vacuum exists because because space. of people. Like the people who did couch co-op grew up and like got their own couches. And and so they hate like they don't want to be at their friend's couch all the <laughs> time. I guess kids don't know about couch co-op. Like the kids who play Fortnite, none of them play it in the same room, right? Yeah, they're all playing. They don't, yeah. 
especially kids who grew up like during like the pandemic no one was playing in the same room unless you're breaking those laws so when kids when kids have sleepovers now they're just on the xbox headset no they're on like tiktok tiktok oh god (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) i did want to get back to the esports part because that is super tricky when you're working on a shooter and you're getting feedback from like the the hardcore players that play your game 24 mm-hmm. 7. that's a specific niche community within your larger community mm-hmm. and i do think that devs can get caught up as individuals in that loud noise, that feedback that community may overpower everything else and i think that hard you know, when, when you have a popular multiplayer game, you're going to have casual fans and you're going to have people on the other side of the spectrum that are super hardcore. If you only cater to one, it's everyone. Um, you know, the, the, the hardcore players just want noobs to shoot at, right? But noobs aren't going to want to play if they're constantly dying all the time yeah. with, a, you know, if, t- if time to kill is so short. So it's like, how do you make an experience that's good for the entry level but also caters to the hardcore and it's not an easy thing to do but i think that it, as a dev team you shift completely to one side then you're gonna lose a lot of your community that way um and i think you know as, as a casual halo player you know or wasn't like the best at, at most times but when i was really good it felt great um but nowadays it's just really hard i <laughs> I I have this like ish as as just a fangirl of this franchise. Like if this Microsoft deal goes through, if it goes, like, I know nothing about this, but if it does go through, wouldn't it be awesome if they handed that franchise to one of the COD studios to see what they could do with it? Raven, I think that would Raven, be so Raven awesome. Software, like man, Madison's own. I still I still I think they're gonna <laughs> I still think they're gonna acquire a certain affinity the second this deal either goes through or doesn't <laughs> give them Halo. Mm-hmm. I think it would be how incredible would it be? All the different teams that have been working on Call of Duty and granted Call of Duty's not going anywhere. But they all they all get their own thing. Yep. You get a Halo. Someone someone gets a what other what other what other dormant property? Someone gets a minesweeper. <laughs> <laughs> like a first person minesweeper. Bring back Medal of Honor. Fusion Frenzy. Oh my god. Fusion Frenzy. Give someone Blink's cat. No, we need a we need a new Medal of Honor. We need a Medal of Honor Rising Sun too. There was I didn't know there was a Medal of Honor Rising Sun. What? You're not a real fan. I am not a Medal of Honor I played I played local multiplayer on that a ton as a kid too. I played Medal of Honor one on PlayStation, I believe. And let me tell you, that game without analog sticks, not great. Medal of Honor 1, Medal of Honor Rising Sun, Medal of Honor Frontline, Medal of Honor European Assault. Maybe that was a Call of Duty one. I don't know. Some of their covers look the same from back then. (laughs) Medal of Honor Modern Warfare. Yeah. (laughs) Don't remind me of of Medal of Honor Warfighter, which was supposed to have like a super heartfelt story about people. And then it was... I thought it was beautiful. You didn't play it. I think I literally might have reviewed it. <laughs> I have no memories of it. I think I literally might have reviewed it. Um, remember, remember that whole controversy because they literally named their opposing force a Taliban, and they're like, "No, you can't do that." Why you can't? Like, did the Taliban oh, like, say they couldn't do no, that? No, no, no. Or... Like, people were like, "No, <laughs> Taliban is really want to play as a Taliban." <laughs> oh, like the, oh, yeah, multiplayer. multiplayer. Yeah. It oh, was... gotcha. So then they had to change it just to opposing. Well, that force. played as the Taliban ran around with the RPGs. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Halo has the right idea. We just we'll just have a red team and a blue team. <laughs> yeah. No one can get too bad at this. Everything will be fine. Um, I guess before we before go, we, we should ask what Tina's been playing. Yeah, Tina, what have you been playing anything? No. Uh, All right, podcast. So I, I took a break. <laughs> be like that. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, I have to pick up Redfall just to see. Oh no. Myself. Oh, well, no. Yeah, morbid curiosity. It's on Game Pass. Play Jedi Survivor. Play what? Play Wild. No, play Wild no, Frost. That costs extra money. That's true. Play Wild Frost. For a Jedi Survivor, thanks to my friends. So I need to download that tonight. Thank you there for you reminding go. me. So I will gigs, play that too. So. <laughs> and <laughs> Red, Red, yeah, Red Falls is another hundred yeah. gigs. So you got two hundred fifty gigs. Really, really quick. Our games going to keep games can't keep getting bigger to download, right? They're too big. What do we do? We got to zip and, these up. And the hard drives got zip. cheaper at this point, and they haven't. <laughs> I got like three. Even I got bigger. three games on my Xbox, and that's it. And I can't have any. Oh more. God! Why <laughs> are you wet? No, they're gonna keep getting bigger, man. I, the, you know what's crazy is like if you make that personal investment in downloading all of those updates for a game, you're less inclined to delete it too, right? No. That's yeah. almost. <laughs> I don't know. I deleted Fallen Order. No, I'm like oh, 150. I'm gonna have to download this again. Like I have to be like, look at my schedule, and it's like, is there any chance I'm gonna want to play this in the next six months? <laughs> too big, it's too big. Uh, I need you to redownload. It Forza is an investment. Right? What'd you say? I need you to redownload Force Horizon Five. No, I can't do that. That was Chill. too big. Chill, Nick. That, that was too many cars. <laughs> they should just let you download individual cars. Make a much smaller game. I only want one car. I don't care which one it is. It could have. No, I really like the idea of downloading the first half of a game. Like if I get that far, then I'll download the rest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's see, that seems fair. Like, why not? Also, don't make me. Let me choose the things. I don't need to download the rest of these languages. I'm playing this game in English. I don't know any other languages. Like, I don't know how much <laughs> that is, but like, I don't need German. It's not need, much. I don't the need the language isn't that much. Resident Evil. F- fun fact: I remember Resident Evil Six came on two discs, at least on the 360. And the first disc was the full game in English, and the second disc was all the other languages. <laughs> wow. And so you never had to deal with the other disc unless you were bilingual. No, I, I was not. I wonder. I wonder if it was a lot. I wonder if that was a lot because all the cutscenes were in the different languages, not just subtitles. Yeah, or they had just they the just hit the the, the, yeah, it's, the it takes most of what they can do with the DVD. Megabyte. They're like, we just have a little bit over here, but we need yeah. to put it on another disc. Well, Tina, I have, a, I have a I have a game suggestion for you, Tina. Go play Wild Frost. It's okay. Do you like Do you like Slay the Spire? I like a Wild Frost. I don't know. If she, uh, I don't know if you like it or not. You cut out. <laughs> nope. Still don't know if you liked it or not. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, as soon as she's trying to say whether why? she likes it or not. No, just, it's your. For some reason, the first word every time you talk is, is still muted. So when you talk in a full sentence, it's fine because we can get the context. But if you <laughs> yeah. answer something in a yes or no, we just don't know. It's <laughs> your sensitivity. You, you still All we can't heard hear was, it's your sensitivity. And I bet the first word was maybe. <laughs> How about now? I, I heard how about now. Did you say anything before? How about now? <laughs> no. Ooh, Frost also wants to know if you played Dredge. You might have to shake your head yes or no for this one. Dredge is really yeah. Dredge is a, spook, a spooky fishing game. If you like fishing and if you like spooky things, this game combines both of them. She wrote in text chat she plays a lot of shooters. And fishing. And, fi- and fishing. <laughs> fishing question mark. <laughs> um, Oh, uh, we also have uh, a couple more super chats before we go. Uh, Minyo72 became a member of Early Access. 
Thanks for your support. And also, uh, you're going to get a real taste of our community here with uh, Fill My Ass Up. Donates 50 knock. <laughs> says given how the publisher I, I hate <laughs> given how the publisher developer oh, relationship like works it. would you say whoever dictates the release date can take a toll on the hope for the project oh no sensitivity might be completely now, now we couldn't hear you at all yeah the whole thing was <laughs> the, the megabits went over now we have to read lips said CEOs are terrible burn the rich Eat their ashes. <laughs> Eat their, oh, everyone should unionize. <clears throat> Fill their ashes. Fill my ash up. <laughs> we still can't hear you. No. <laughs> I mean, we are near the end of the stream, so it's, <laughs> we do. We need, Casey does have to do another yeah, stream in nineteen stream, minutes. Yeah. We, need to, we need to get her a whiteboard. <laughs> um, oh my god, that'd be that'd be incredible. Right in your hand. Also, with the one last oh no, you didn't say Phil uh Fat Koch. Thank you so much for the file. I don't know. Uh why do you guys have to stream in the middle of my work day? It makes it hard to participate. Uh we apologize. Okay. From the bottom now of our hearts. We can hear you now. We, I'm on my phone. We heard the first word too. <laughs> yeah, that works. You can hear everything now. <laughs> so uh, the the question, do you want me to answer that? Yeah. The one yeah, about please. the Okay, so um, the publisher is going to fund the game, so they have a lot of say in the release date because they obviously have shareholders to answer to, and they need like a, a schedule, right, of, of cadence of games coming out. So if you miss that, they're going to have to swap it for something else. In most cases, I think that's what PlayStation does. At least they have to, you know, measure out. Someone comes out in the early March, May timeline. Someone comes out in the fall, November ish. Um, so I, I feel like it, it's it's up to both parties to respect each other's timelines. If a team, a dev team says, we don't know when it'll come out, we just need more time, then it's going to be harder to convince the publisher to actually give them that time, right? Yeah, um, nebulous. <laughs> uh, but if a published, you know, if a dev says, this is when we can actually hit, it's not the original date, you know, there's there should be some respect level there with the publisher and, and you know, they'll negotiate and talk it out. Um but yeah, uh, and I feel like it's it's best when both parties come 50-50 with each other and they're complete, completely candid with each other about what's going on. Um, so bet, sometimes that's not the case. I bet, I bet with Apex <laughs> Legends, they're like, you mean we don't have to spend a $10 million on a marketing budget? We could just release this thing? Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, EA was banking on... Oh, God, what game was it that came out at the same time? The one with the jetpacks? Anthem? Yes. Hmm. Wait, that was. They that thought was Anthem a, was right. going to be their their money oh. maker. Oh. So they blah, put blah, all their blah. marketing weight behind that. Yeah. I mean, on paper. So wait, is that why Apex got shadow dropped? Is because they were like, we're going to double down on Anthem. <laughs> they had all these TV spots for Anthem that they handed us a few weeks after apex launch that's that's a fact that i can share <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> i mean that's really funny because on paper it was like oh the people who made bioware are making an rpg where you play as iron man like that sounds like an easy win yeah and uh it turns out anthem wasn't great and the industry still hasn't learned about live service games since mm. Rip. i like live service personally but i, I like them when they work yeah there are, <laughs> yeah. There are games that <laughs> like i love seeing selling in that space and that's why it's so tempting yep I love, yeah. I love, it is very hard to do. I love it's very easy to do wrong, though. I think. Love Destiny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, agreed. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel like a lot of folks take the wrong lessons from why certain games are really good. I think the ones that succeed are because they have an incredible gameplay loop that people like playing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard thing to do, um, no matter what the game is. Hmm. Uh, speaking of incredible gameplay loops, Casey, <laughs> that wasn't a segue. That didn't make any sense. Wait, uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you have going on? What can folks check out? Uh, you'll be back in 15 minutes with Jesse playing more God yeah. of War 3, developed by Sony Santa Monica, former em- employer of Ooh, Tina. All, so on brand today. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back uh, in just a little bit with Jesse's playthrough of God of War 3. Um, I don't have any content on the site right now, but I did help Darren with his review of Guardians, which should be out Friday. Yeah. So you can check that out. Um, outside of that, just follow the Twitter that you see on the, the page. Uh, Twitch is by the same uh, name, and you can listen to the latest episode of my podcast that I do weekly as well. Okay. Uh, Tina, where, where should folks check you out on Twitter? You have your name below your name? Yes. Tina? T-E-A-N-A-H. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Blue Sky. Blue Sky's cool, guys. I hear it's good. I'm sure 10,000 people have asked you for an invite. <laughs> I have zero invites, and I'm waiting to just get one. I'm <laughs> so excited. And see how much money you can make off it. Oh, I'm going to be a care on, bear. Sell on eBay. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, Nick, why don't you folks check out you just have that piece that aforementioned piece go up on redfall yeah you can go read my uh angry redfall article you can go watch my stream of it from yesterday and watch me suffer for an hour and 40 minutes uh and then marty and i'll be back tomorrow continuing alan wake oh and then i have i have to uh play persona all saturday again so i will uh i will not, time to I will not have a migraine this weekend uh, so yeah, uh, God of War tonight, uh, tomorrow at noon, we'll be back for uh, Alan Wake, uh, 7pm, Casey and I will be back with Half-Life, uh, Friday we got a double header with um, Frost and Amy playing Disney games, and Adventure is live afterwards, Saturday, all day, Persona, um, and then Sunday we save for the Lord. No, I think <laughs> newly, probably newly released the Honkai, hunk, <laughs> whatever it's called. <laughs> Uh, and one last chat before we leave. Paul Sai says, uh, thing I learned that Nick likes poo poo donos, fun, good causes. Thank you so much, Paul. Can I give one shout out before we end? Oh, yeah. Please do. Okay. I think Embark Studios is doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Some of you may not know who they are. They're former Battlefield devs, mm-hmm. OG devs, amazing shooter devs. They're making Arc Raiders, which I'm really excited about. And, uh, I think the, re- the finals, finals is yeah. what they call yeah. it. Did you play the beta right, for yeah. it? Nick That's was raving cool. about that. Yeah, Nick was raving. Oh, I fucking Nick love it. The beta. I can't wait for that to get to come out. Yeah, they're both supposed to come out this year. Yeah. I don't know if there's been any updates, but I'm excited about those two. I feel like they should just release one this year and the other next year. Diverse <laughs> finals bonds. Uh, yeah. The finals <laughs> looks incredible. Like the the um, level destruction in the finals looks um, remarkable. I, there there be... has never been a game where a building has fallen on top of me and it forced my character to crouch and I could not get out with somebody blowing it up and it was hilarious. You think that's funny what happens to you in real life? Uh, If I have to play more Redfall, I kind of hope it happens to me. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) There you go. The the, the one developer in chat is like, oh, this asshole. (laughs) No, Uh, no, everyone at Arcane is wonderful. I'm sorry (laughs) that the conditions uh, caused the game like that to be made. It's fine. Let's use it as a learning learning tool. We'll learn from our mistakes and we'll make a better vampire game next time. 
<laughs> Thanks for having me, everyone. This was yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I yeah, love this. Thanks so much uh, for joining. Yeah, we'll absolutely have you on again in the future. Thank you so much, uh, Casey and Nick, and everyone who watched and donated. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Breakout Episode number 85. Uh, stick uh, right here. 12 minutes from now. Jesus. Sorry, Casey. Uh, Casey and Jesse will be back with God of War. Bye, everyone. Bye. I've almost, I've almost recorded 100 episodes of this with you guys. I don't know.